Morning, family. It's so great to be with you today and to just connect with you. And thank you for joining our service. And I trust that you're going to have a great time with us. Uh, I want to pray for us. And then we're going to start by, by worshiping the Lord and giving Him our everything today. And I invite you to get ready and get your heart in a posture of worship towards the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. Thank you that right now we can just come as a community together, focus on you and lift up your name. And we pray for your presence to be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you get ready and let's worship the Lord. Here in this house of the great King We've come together now to worship Him house is built on Christ our rock, cannot be shaken, cannot be shaken, God is awesome in this place, we sense His presence as we sing His praise, there is power here for miracles, set the captives free, make the broken of the great King We've come together now to worship Him This house is built on Christ our rock Cannot be shaken Cannot be shaken God is awesome in this place We sense His as we sing His praise There is power here for miracles Set the captives free, make the broken whole God is awesome, He's so awesome God is awesome in this place Yes, God 
In this place we will grow. In this place, Lord, seeking your face. There's miracles. Yes. A strength arises we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our strength arises we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our strength arises we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord our strength arises we wait upon the Lord we will wait upon the Lord we will Upon the Lord our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not fade, you won't grow.
Psalm 34 speaks of the character of the love of God as we respond to Him and as He responds to us. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him are radiant. I'm seeing some radiance in some faces here this morning. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. Lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. 
the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them are broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord rescues his servants and no one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Let's magnify the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from every fear those who look on him are radiant they'll never be ashamed they'll never be ashamed this poor man cried and the Lord heard me and saved me
your kingdom come, let heaven come, let it rain in our lives, let it rain on this earth right now, God. We are seated in heavenly places, God. We are seated right now with you, Lord, in heaven. We declare, let heaven come. With all the authority vested in us, because of you, Jesus. Because you've taken your rightful place, Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places. So we declare, let the heavens come. Let him. 
come to earth as it is right now in heaven let heaven come Yes, Father, we thank you for your presence with us. Thank you that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And right in this moment, today, as we are going to talk about your rulership, we want to exalt your name and say you are the King. Come and be with us as we share your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness in your tithes and offering over this time. And, and uh, thank you for stepping out and trusting God to be able to be a, a vehicle for the kingdom to advance. And, and right now, it's as we always do, take this opportunity. Please follow the prompts on the screen and give as the Lord has instructed and with your, uh, what you have decided in your heart to give. And uh, just know that every, every rand you give and every bit of money that you give, we direct to make sure that the kingdom's work is being done. Thank you for your faithfulness in this. family thank you for generously giving to our each one bring one community drive taking tangible action against poverty for mandela day we challenged you to donate one or more essential items to our hatfield warehouse which we'll distribute to struggling families throughout our city and if you haven't gotten around to do it yet you can still drop off your donation at our church reception from tomorrow until friday so here's my contribution to our growing pile of gifts Find the list of needed items at hatfield.co.za. Imagine how many families we can help if we each bring one thing. It's been another tough year in our nation, and we're here for you if you need help. Our Hope Center offers emotional, mental, and spiritual support to individuals, couples, and families through counseling at no cost to you. We also offer online courses and support groups to help you through various life seasons. So book an online appointment by emailing hope at hatfield.co.za or visit our Facebook page at Hatfield Hope Center for more information. Prayer is our most powerful weapon. So join us in actively praying and praising the Lord at our worship and prayer this Wednesday evening. Invite your loved ones and tune in to our YouTube or Facebook streams at 7 p.m. And let's multiply our prayers and praise. Do you wish to understand God's Word better and how to apply what you learn in our current context? Here's your opportunity to explore the book of Isaiah with Neil Bester and the Hatfield Leadership Academy team. This nine-week journey starts next Sunday and will take place online every week before our morning service at 9 a.m. There's no cost involved, but you have to register by this Thursday, 29 July. So email hla at hatfield.co.za to sign up and get more information. Well, that's it from me, folks. Have a blessed week. Bye-bye. Well, I want to say it's really great for me to just be with you today and just to connect with you. And uh, thank you for joining us. Um, I am so aware of every 
one of you at this time. And I want you to know that we, we're praying for you. We know that there's so many people that are facing significant challenges with their health because of COVID-19 and other reasons. And I mean, we've got so many people that has passed away over, over these last days, again, uh, in the peak of this wave. And, and also other challenges that we are facing, challenges as a nation that we are facing and, and challenges that many of you are facing in your workplaces and just in different spaces. And I want you to know we're praying for you. We've, we've got uh, intercessory groups that that where we list everybody that we know of that is that is ill and, we, and any situations that we're aware of, we pray for them very regularly. And it's so wonderful when we hear the feedback of people that have uh, re been restored to health and situations that has been resolved by the Lord. And uh, But we pray for you. We've also got just special times as leaders where we gather and we pray for you as our community. So I want you to know you are in our hearts and, uh, and, and that we're very much aware of just the challenges that people are facing. But we're so thankful for the fact that we are the children of the Most High God and that He is in, in rulership at this point in time. And uh, over the next couple of weeks, are we going to do a series entitled The King and I? And today's the first installment of that because we want to be talking about just how do we respond as believers to everything that's going on in our nation? I mean, we're all aware that this is such a, a time of upheaval. There, it feels like the, the, literally the, the ground under us is moving and, and every, so much is being shaken. And there's so much uh, animosity that's even visible in places and the tension that's building in our nation, not only because of COVID-19 and the struggles that that brings, but obviously what we saw last week in our nation with the 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 just the looting and everything that was going on uh we we really having to just come and and i think you'll agree with me that how we respond in this time is very important and we want to make sure that what we're doing is based on the word and and represents kingdom truth and so that's why i felt to take these couple of weeks next three weeks with you and to really consider what the scripture teaches us and that we can draw from and, and what is the framework and you know when when we as leaders have to make decisions at this time we want to make sure that what we're doing as as, as church leaders and christian leaders that we are doing it on, based on the biblical foundation and, a, and and use a biblical framework so what i actually also want to do is just share with you the framework that i'm using uh, with other leaders as we discuss the issues of the day and as we make decisions as to how we should react and what we should do uh, i want to invite you to join with me and to think through these things from a biblical framework so that we make sure that what we're doing is is inspired by scripture and represents the kingdom I know there's lots of voices that are shouting very loud at this time and, and, and things that people are saying at, at, from political leadership, from business leadership, and even church leaders right now that are, that are trying to come to terms with what's going on and how we should respond. And I've been engaging with many church leaders just over the last 15 months, but particularly in the last week, I've been part of many meetings with on a national front in terms of churches and what we should be doing and how we should be responding at this time. And it's wonderful to see that, that in, in all churches, there's this united understanding that the first response we should have is to help those that are in need and to be there for, for food security for people and to, and to extend kingdom kindness to people. And, and you've seen uh, so much that is happening and, and our response and what we're doing as, as Hatfield Churches to be there to help people, whether it's here in Gauteng or in KwaZulu-Natal, it's been wonderful to see how churches have come together to do that. But there's also a call within churches and some church leaders that are saying we should be disregarding government regulations and we should be meeting at this time and, and, and having services and worship. And I, I want to bring you into just the framework that I'm using and, and other leaders that I'm 
talking with and certainly our church leadership and even our network's leadership about how we're thinking about these things and, and why we don't think it's the right thing right now for churches to open up and to gather in, in disregard to the government's regulations. So we're not doing that. We're not opening up our services until the regulations allow that. Um, we, we're doing the best we can over our in, uh, online platforms and to live stream our services or have pre-recorded services in the best way that we can, but we don't believe right now it is right for us to disregard government regulations. But why do I say that? Is that just my conviction? Is that just my feeling? No, I want to, like I say, in this series, talk through the biblical framework and invite you to have a discussion, to, to think through how the Bible tells us to, to, to react in these situations so that we make sure that what we do will, will, will show and, and point to the kingdom and, and reveal God's will in this time and in this nation. It makes me think of, of in 410 after Christ, when Rome fell, uh, as many of you know the history, the Visigoths came in uh, and they were these Aryan heretics and they came and they sacked Rome and destroyed Rome. Uh, at that time. And uh, while Rome was no longer sort of the seat of government for the Roman Empire, it still held a very, very important symbolic role in the Roman Empire. It was the heart of the Roman Empire. And, you know, it was called the Eternal City. It was likened in, in, the, in the, the vernacular of the day as the city that as long as there's nature, the city of Rome will be there. As long as the earth exists, the city of Rome will be there because the city of Rome was seen as the center of everything. And it, it was the place of order. It was the place of government of the day, uh, of culture. It was the center of so much. And as I said, it was called the eternal city. But in 410, the Visigoths came in and they sacked Rome and the Roman Empire fell. And it left the world in chaos at the time. Uh, and when, when things like that happened and, and suddenly the, it, you know, the ground shifts for everybody and, and what everybody thought was normal and how things would always be and how they've been for so long and how they would always be, you know, people become so uncertain like we see in our times and, and everything is, is up for debate and they were struggling to come to terms with it and reality with it. And so often what people do, you know, when, when they see this kind of upheaval taking place and chaos that ensues and an and, and enemy at their doors, they, they're looking for somebody to blame. And like it so often happens in that time is they blame the Christians for it. And they said it was the fault of the Christians that the Roman Empire fell because what the Christians did is they taught the people of the day not to honor the gods of the Roman Empire. And uh, therefore the gods of the Roman Empire turned against uh, the, the Roman citizens and didn't no longer protected them. And because of this, the Visigoths was able to come in and sack the Roman Empire. And even the Christians of the day were also feeling the, the uncertainty and insecurity of this because they they were living in a Roman Empire and the stability and the, the peace that that brought and the, the, the order that that brought. And so when the Roman Empire fell, many Christians of the day actually believed that it was the end of the world and that God was, was pouring out judgment. And so Christians were being attacked from the outside by the, by the pagans that were saying they were to blame for the falling of, the, of Rome. And they were internally, they were struggling and fighting with, with each one another. And there was lots of emotions and upheaval going on. And um, what we're going through makes me think of that so much. But we're thankful from history that we saw in that time how God used a person to show and reveal 
his kingdom thoughts about what was going on. And actually, one of the most important works of the Christian faith and even of the Western civilization was written in that time as an, as an, an apologetic, as an, an answer to what was really going on that we still draw from today. And that's St. Augustine's writings, St. Augustine's writing, The City of God. And uh, what he did is, uh, when there was all this emotion and chaos going on, Augustine stayed calm. And uh, he, he began to think about what was really happening. And uh, he began to engage with the pagans and to, to show them the error of their thinking. And he began to help the Christians to see uh, the bigger perspective, perspective, sorry, to have a godly perspective and a kingdom view of what was going on. And as he did this, he started writing this amazing volume of work called The City of God. And in that, he cut the Roman Empire down to size. And he, and, he, and he just made sure that people understood that before the Roman Empire, there were other empires. Empires come and empires go because they are temporary by nature because they are of this world. And they will not last and they will not stand forever. And so when these shifts and changes come, he, he said to the people, it may feel like everything is falling into chaos, but this is the nature of kingdoms of this world. They come and they go. And while many people were idealized the Roman Empire and only seeing so much good in it, he, he revealed the problems and the challenges of the Roman Empire and, and he showed Rome for what it really was. And so he brought voice of reason into that space and into that time. And he also developed this, this thinking where he showed that there are present among us in this world these two uh, dominions, these, these two spheres of life and he called the one the city of God and the other the city of man and he said while they 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 separate in how they function they they intertwined and we see them working in in the day and he explored explained that to the people and uh, uh, and he said that this this the you know the the city of man uh, is that which we see all around us but we must also remember the city of god is there and that is actually the eternal city is the city of god now when he spoke about the cities he he was using that as an analogy for two realms that were operating and this is how he described it we see then that the two cities were created by two kinds of love the earthly city was created by self love reaching the point of content of god the heavenly city by the love of God carried as far as contempt of the self. In fact, the earthly city glories in itself. The heavenly city glories in the Lord. And he, and he showed to the people of the day, uh, and this thinking came about because of the conflict and the challenges they were, they were facing. Um, and he showed us that there are these two realms that we see on this earth. The, the one is the is the one that is focused on, on God and His kingdom and revealing and showing His glory. The other is, is based on, on humanity and the self and our desire to, to actually rule in our own name and in our own authority. And how these two were operating on differing principles and opposing one another. And uh, I trust that in our day and in our time, that as Christian leaders and as Christian people, we would be applying our minds and, and in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit to, to understand the bigger picture and how we should respond to the challenges of our times. And that's why I want to walk with you through some of these things and this, this framework that we have that the Scripture gives us about how to respond. And 
And that's the first point that I want to just highlight what St. Augustine said, is that there are two opposing dominions. Yes, we live in a world where there are opposing dominions, where there is what the scripture would recall the kingdom of, of light and the kingdom of darkness. And that's a reality, that there are two opposing forces. Jesus said it in John 10 and verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Right there in that scripture, he, he, he refers to the fact that there's, there's, a, there's an animosity between two realms that are fighting on this earth and in our reality that are opposing one another. Romans 8, Paul writes, and in verse 37 to 39, he says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so what we see here, the writers of the scripture understood, is that there's, there's the love of God, there's the kingdom of God, and there's forces that wants to separate us from the love of God and the kingdom of God. There is that that wants to build and, and, and honor and dignify human life. And there's that which wants to destroy human life and human value. And these two opposing forces are in our world. So, so when, we, when we come to times like this in a nation or in our world where there's such upheaval and social uh, tension that is building, we, we have to first of all recognize that, yes, there are these two kingdoms that are demanding and calling for our hearts and for our love. And we have to choose which way are we going to go. But I want to, and that's why the title of today's message is One King. But I want to remind us that not only does the scripture tell us there are these two dominions and realms, but the scripture is also clear to tell us, but there's only one true king. There's really only one king. And in Jeremiah 10, verse 6 to 7, we read the following. No one is like you, Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. Who should not fear you? King of the nations, this is your due among all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. Yes, we have two opposing forces, the kingdom of God and, 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 and the, the kingdom of darkness that are opposing. But we must not think that those are two equal forces, that those are two equal kingdoms. There's only one king. There's only one true king that rules in the universe, and that's our God. That is God. Satan may oppose what God is doing. He, he's, him and his forces may, may want to distract and destroy what God is doing, but he is not equal to God. This is not a tug of war and we don't know who's going to win and, of two equals that are wrestling like, like the old Christenberg song, you know, where the, the God and the devil was playing, was playing chess and we were hoping who would, the right side would win. No, God is the only true king. The scripture doesn't actually even refer to Satan as a king. He certainly not a king in the same way that God is a king. God is the only all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God. All authority belongs to him. He is the king. He is on the throne. He is ruling. His rulership has never stopped, has never changed. No matter what happens on this earth, no matter what the enemy tries to do, how the kingdom of darkness tries to deceive and, and, and distract us, the, the fact is that God is on the throne. And for you and me that are Christians, that's the world we live in where God is on the throne. His rule is supreme. Um, I know sometimes we, we want to say that God is in control. Now, I think the better way to say it is not to say that God is in control, but that, that God is on the throne, that God rules. 
You see, God is not in control of everything that happens on the earth. I mean, if we believe that, then, then, you know, things like Auschwitz was God's plan. No, God is not in control of everything that happened, but God rules over everything that is going on. And ultimately, we know that God's will will be done. God's kingdom is the only everlasting kingdom. God's kingdom is unshakable. And we know that we live in a world where God will reign for all eternity. And right now, there are forces that's working that's trying to, to distract us from God's rule and trying to, to, to make us think that God is not ruling and trying to hide the rulership of God. But the, the truth is God is on the throne. So when you and I face the upheavals and the changes of this time, it affects us. I mean, last week when I was watching on Monday morning and started watching the, the looting going on in our nation and the, the struggle and the reality of just what that meant and, and the disaster that that was in our nation, in so many fronts, there was, the, you know, I, it touched me. I, I saw it and uh, it, had, I, it felt like the, you know, the wind was knocked out of my sails and I felt so saddened and so burdened at it at that time and even worried. But I, I quickly had to remind myself that while all this going on on earth, God is on the throne and nothing can challenge that and nothing can change that. So over time and over history, we see all the wrestlings of man that must not, and, and how may, it may affect us and how real it may be for us and how very really it may challenge us. We must not, not forget that that doesn't mean that God is not on the throne. We have one king, one king. These two dominions are on the earth opposing one another, but God is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no authority on heaven or earth that will not ultimately bow before him and give an account before him. He is the king. On the throne. You see, we sometimes refer in the scripture to the kingdom of darkness. And that's an apt description because, you know, darkness is not something that exists in and of itself. Darkness is merely the absence of light. Light exists in and of itself. Darkness is the absence of light. And that's exactly what Satan is. Satan's, Satan, his, his power, his force, his authority is in destruction. Is, it's in twisting what God has done. It is in deceiving. It is in 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 breaking down what God has done. That's why Jesus said there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He can only break down. He cannot create. He cannot create a kingdom. He cannot make a true alternative to God's kingdom. He can only deceive us, draw us away, and try and destroy what God has made and make us believe that God is not on the throne. But he has got no alternative to offer, really, because he's not a creator. He's not a king. He's not like our God. Our God is on the throne. And because our God is on the throne, because his authority is supreme, he created the heavens and the earth. And when he created the heavens and the earth, he created it to be a display of who he is, to, to show his glory, to show his magnificence, to show his character, his love, his grace. He created to, to put himself on display because he is, he is the author of everything. And with authorship comes authority. And he has authority over this earth. And, but when he made us and he made everything to represent him and to, to reflect who he is, he made man especially, and the words in the scripture says we are made in his image, to more than anything else reflect who he is. And as part of that reflecting who he is, of showing him, he gave us authority. And, and you know, in Genesis 1 verse 28, we read the following. 
When God created man and Adam and Eve, he said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God in his magnificence and in his majesty as the king of the universe made us and he made us in his image and, and he gave us authority to represent him on this earth, to rule in, with him and, and in him on this earth, to extend his rulership through us onto this earth, to, to be the custodians, the caretakers of this planet with the authority that he gave us because we are made in his image and, and that he gave us. And that's why he said, go forth and, and rule the earth and multiply. It was his will that mankind would, would, the numbers of people would increase, that we would build communities, that we would build nations, that we would move across the earth and establish these little mini kingdoms as representation of his kingdom, as an extension, a reflection of his kingdom. That was his desire for us, for there to be many of us to, to, to be good neighbors to one another, to live together on this earth and to, to govern the resources of this earth, to reflect and show his kingdom on this earth. That was his desire for us. And therefore he gave us the authority to rule. He made us as rulers on this earth. But we know, unfortunately, that right there in the Garden of Eden, where God made Adam and Eve and gave them everything. And he said to them, live here and from here you know rule the earth and from here begin to experience my goodness and and live in my glory and my grace adam and eve was deceived by the enemy and they turned and they actually believed that they could make a better earth than what they on their own without god than what they would have with god and so they believed the lie and they, they said they were going to know everything and they will in themselves decide what to do and how to govern and rule this earth. And so man's authority that was given to him by God to rule on this earth was usurped by the enemy. And the enemy is now working here in this earth and through our authority that we have been given to rule on this earth to destroy, to steal, kill and destroy and to bring these tensions and to bring all of this pain that we see on the earth that is direct result of, of sin and the sinfulness of man and that we have turned away from God and that we no longer like, you know, what Augustine described in the city of God versus the city of man where our love and our devotion is no longer to God and to build his kingdom and to be a reflection of his kingdom on this earth we are now wanting to build our own kingdom and reflect our own glory and make known how great and how wonderful we are and that's what we see happening in the earth but that doesn't mean the kingdom of God is not here it doesn't even mean that God is ruling on this earth any less than he's ever done before it just means that his kingdom is being hidden his rulership we are being distracted from seeing his rulership we we think and because we shout so loud and we make our presence known so much on this earth as as mankind that we we can be fooled to think that we are the rulers but ultimately God is still the king he's still on the throne he's still the ruler of this earth I, I think of you know those cartoons or movie scenes you know when aliens would supposedly land on the earth and they would they would meet some human and they would always say you know take me to your leader because they would be easily fooled to think that the leader of this planet is a human being is some human authority or some human institution but you and I know that the ruler of this earth is God but we are being distracted from seeing his rulership but by faith 
And because we know the truth of Scripture and because we stand in the truth of Scripture, we recognize that God is on the throne, that He is the ruler. And it is our work as Jesus prayed when he prayed, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's not what he wasn't saying that God's kingdom has left and now it has to return. He was saying that let through the church, through us, God's people that have come back into line with love of God and putting God first in our lives and come back into rulership with God may through us again be revealed on this earth, the rulership and the kingdom of God. May it be seen all around us. You know, it's like last week when we, when we, when like Monday and Tuesday, you know, when we saw the, the, the footage from what was going on in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng and, and the looting and the lawlessness that was going on through the nation. That was just a, a manifestation of it, a display of lawlessness that's been here for a long period of time. And, and this lawlessness was just seemingly like it was having free reign and we didn't think, how are we going to deal with this? You know, when you saw that at first, it was easy to think that, this world, this nation is under the rule of the kingdom of darkness, that there's no hope for us, there's, there's, that there's just this destruction. And we understood that, that, that the, the poverty of people played a part in it. I don't think the looting was because people were poor, but it certainly created conditions for that to happen. And we saw all the challenges on display of our nation. And, I, and we felt that the kingdom, we, we were living in that space where what Jesus was saying, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we would easily be thinking that, yes, the enemy is ruling. But later the week, we started recognizing, no, no, God is on the throne. When we saw communities come together, when we saw the cleanup operations beginning to happen, when we saw communities rise up to feed one another, to strengthen one another, to be there with one another, and we saw the hope arise in our nation again, we realized, no, no. You may see on the very loud and, and upfront this, this display of the power of the enemy, but right in the midst of everything, there is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is there. And the kingdom will rise always. And the kingdom will step forward. And, and we need to just as a nation continue to build on a love for God and for His rulership. So that we can answer all the challenges and the difficulties that our nation faces. But there's a conflict that we are in. In Psalm 2 speaks about that and it says the following why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the lord and against these anointed saying let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us the nations rage there's a raging going on in this world because the, the forces of this world and because of our love for ourselves and our wanting to have our own rulership, we rage against God. We look at God and we think that God is the, the one that is shackling us, the one that is holding us in captivity and that we are trying to break free from his bonds of rulership because we want to rule autonomous on our own. And the nations rage and we, rage and we see that unfolding. There's times where we see in the history of man the rulership of God and we see forgiveness. We see the, the, the poor being helped and we see uh, nations being united and we see just the light shining. The, in our homes, in every space, we see those times. But then there's times where the nations rise up again and, and they, they fight to take back rulership and to say, no, it is man will rule this earth. And so the nations rage. And we must understand that as believers. The nations are raging. 
There are conflicting viewpoints. There are conflicting value systems that are going on right now. And the nations are raging all around us. There are no neutral spaces. In our Western world and in secular society, we love to think that there are neutral spaces where all people can come together. And if we just leave certain things, our certain religion and belief systems behind, then we can find common ground. And from there, we can build nations. I want to tell you the truth is there are no neutral spaces. Every person is practicing their belief system and their religion. And from that act, what, according to what they feel is right and what is necessary. And when pushed and when people become, you know, pushed into a corner and desperate enough, the, those belief systems surface and, they, and the nations rage. And we see that happening all the time. You and I, we have a belief system. And it's our responsibility to make that belief system known to this world that God is on the throne. He is the king that is ruling and will rule for always. But they are opposing ideologies and thoughts that are coming into the public sphere and that are fighting and saying, no, the only way the world can, can be, um, you know, that we can take care of everybody in this planet or how we can take care of our planet is by these thought systems and philosophies. And there's this conflict that's going on. And so we are right now. And I know that in, you'll hear church leaders say that we are in a battle and that's true. It's not more true than we've ever been in any other time. We are in a battle. We've always been in a battle. We've always been in the context of this conflict between God's plans and the plans of the enemy that is being worked through man. And man wanting to rule himself, autonomous from God. That battle has always been raging and will rage until the kingdom of heaven is established ultimately and finally. And every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That, that battle will take on different shapes and forms. And we may feel it more keenly now, but that battle has always been raging. But the question is, how do we fight that battle? What is our response in that battle? And that's where we've got to remind ourselves that our king is different than any other king that you will find on this earth. And he rules in a different way than what the other rulers of this earth rules. We see that so beautifully put to us in Matthew 20, verse 25, for instance, and there's other references in Scripture. But this one puts it for me so nicely, and I want to read this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever should be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God's victory in this earth is, was not achieved and is not achieved. The rulership of the kingdom and God's being established on the throne forever is not achieved because he's more powerful and can overcome the forces of this world. Man, if, the, if all the armies of this world had to gather together to fight against God, it doesn't even threaten him one bit. He can wipe them all off the face of the planet with one breath of his, of his lungs. He's not threatened by the armies and the authorities of this world because every authority that operates on this earth is only there because he allowed and he has instituted that authority. He's not threatened by this earth, but yet he does not overcome by power and by force, but he overcomes by love and servitude. And we see that embodied in Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate 
and the Jews were conspiring to kill Jesus, but they didn't have the authority to kill Jesus. So they wanted the Romans to believe that Jesus was trying to set up an alternative kingdom that would threaten the Romans and their kingdom so that that, the Romans would then kill Jesus so that the Jews could have their way. And so Pilate, when Jesus was standing before, he'd asked him, is it right what they are saying? Are you a king? Now Jesus knew if he answered yes, then he would help the Jewish cause. If he answered no, then, you know, Pilate would just send him back to the Jews and the Jews would find another way. So Jesus, in his, in how clever he is, he always, you know, finds a way to answer the truth, the greater truth. And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom does not operate of this world. He wasn't saying that his kingdom is completely separate from this world and has nothing to do with this world. No, in fact, his kingdom has everything to do with this world. Everything in this world is within his kingdom and should fit within his kingdom principles and laws. And everything should be about his kingdom. But his kingdom doesn't look the way the world's kingdom looks. You see, the rulers of this earth rule because they have more power and they force people through various instruments to obey them. Jesus says, I don't do the same. Right from when God began to speak to Abraham, when God spoke to Moses and God raised up the Israelites, right through to Jesus and in our time, God is saying, I want you to choose my rule. And I'm going to show you my goodness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, Romans says. God comes for Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The way Jesus conquered the nations that are raging against him is that he died on the cross. He became the servant. That's why we talk about the lion and the lamb. Jesus is the lion of Judah that roars, that is the captain of the hosts of the armies. But yet this Christ allowed those that created him, that are so feeble, that are so weak, that has only authority that he gave them to use that authority to kill him. That's how he conquered this world. That's why the scripture is clear. It says our weapons are not the weapons of this world. We do not fight against flesh and blood. So yes, there's a war going on, but the way we fight in this war is very different than the way the world fights this war. We come in the spirit of Christ. This spirit that does not lord it over people, that does not force people, And that's why I want to talk. And next week, I'm going to talk more about the authority we do have in this earth and how do we exercise it. And just to tell you that I'm going to be speaking next week about the God-given authority. And I want to talk about four uh, institutions that God gave authority to in this world. The authority in the person, in each of us. We have been given authority by God to rule as an individual. God gave authority to families to represent his kingdom. God gave authority to government and God gave authority in the church. And the way that we will work in this fallen and broken world is how do those things work in the right tensions together, each knowing their sphere of responsibility and authority and each doing what they are supposed to be doing under God and in recognition of God's rulership and how that together builds the best representation we can in a broken world of the kingdom of God because we're never going to have a perfect representation of the kingdom on this earth. But we can have it more revealed. We can see more of it. We can have it more experienced if we understand how these things work together. And But that's what I'm going to talk about next week and get a little bit more practical with what that means. But I want to encourage you today. We have to remember that there's one king that rules over all, 
has always ruled and will ultimately at the end of the day be the final ruler that will rule for eternity. And in fact, every authority on earth that was given by him will give an account to him. In Revelation 6, verse 15 to 17, we read this. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone and f slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and, and who can stand? There's going to be a day where every person that shouted so loud on this earth and declared their own way and their own authority and, and wanted to have their way done, whether they're a, a, a slave, a, a, a small person, whether they're a large person that has much rulership, every one of us will give an account before God of did we display His kingdom or did we build the city of God or did we build the city of man? And that will be revealed finally. And when God judges, he's righteous. And that's what these rulers would experience. That's this picture that we have in Revelation, that they will want to hide from God because they will know that what he said is true and that his judgment is righteous. That's the world you and I live in. So when we come to the, the struggles of our day right now, what's going on in our nation, the realities of COVID-19, I want us to remember this is the framework that we have in our hearts. That yes, there are, there are differing forces, opposing forces in the world that are fighting against one another. And we have to choose and we have to respond correctly. But we have to remember that there's actually only one king and one ruler and he rules supreme. That our calling is to display his rulership and to live in, in our, you know, God's kingdom, hearts, homes and beyond. To live in, those, in, in the smallest places as we can, right in our own hearts to live under his rulership. And in every place where we can to display his rulership. That he is the king. Yes, the nations will rage. Yes, the nations will shout loudly and they will try and act like God is not on the throne but, and that they have final authority. But we know that God has final authority. But then we must remember that our God is not threatened and he rules with love, with grace, with mercy. That he took on the form of a servant and he came and served a world that was raging against him. He didn't overpower that world. He didn't conquer them by showing he's stronger than them. He conquered them by loving them. That's why Napoleon said Jesus had no army, but yet he conquered the world. We conquer in our day because we display the rulership of God, which is love, grace, and mercy. And that one day we know that every authority will bow before Jesus. Authorities on this earth that are not using their authority as God has, has directed them and according to the way God wants to, will give an account to it. It's not always our responsibility to hold them to account. God will hold them to account. We have a responsibility, and that's what I'm going to talk about next week. So right now, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you. You have to discern how does God want you to reflect and show his kingdom in South Africa at this time? What is it that God is asking of you and me? Yes, the church, you know, capital C, the gathered, the, the, the church as an organization as a, needs to respond. But ultimately, you know, we saw it last week. It's not how the capital C only responds that's important. It's how the individual responds to reveal the kingdom. That is the most powerful reflection of the kingdom is what you and I are doing every day to represent who God is. 
So I want to invite you. And that's why I want to give you these frameworks over these next couple of weeks and this framework and describe to you biblical truth so that you can say, what am, how do I display the kingdom of God in my front line, in my family, in my workplace, in my interaction with people that are, that are perhaps on the other side of the dialogue than what I am? The ones that the world wants me to separate, be separated from, the ones that the world wants me to see as the enemy or the other, how do I show the kingdom of God to them? How do I resource the kingdom at this time? How do I live the kingdom? Know that God is on the throne and that He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let us pray together. I want to pray for your peace and for your guidance at this time in the Spirit. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word that is true. And I pray, Lord, for every believer in this nation that our response to these difficult days and to these challenges will not be by our emotions, by our frustrations, by our anger, but that we will respond according to your word, that we will pause and take the time to say, Lord, show us your truth that is real and relevant to this situation at this time. We pray for Christian leaders that will arise at this time to be those that will speak on behalf of your kingdom, Father. And by Christian leaders, I mean not just church leaders. I mean Christian leaders, Lord, in every arena, in every space, Lord, that will arise to again show that the kingdom of God is alive and well and that God is on the throne no matter how the nations rage. And we thank you for that. I pray for every person joining me on this uh, call today and uh, uh, on this uh, service. I pray that everyone would feel the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. That right now, that they will know that you are on the throne in their lives. The challenges that they may be facing, that where they're feeling the pressure, where they're feeling pushed, where they're hearing the voices shouting at them and demanding them to react and respond in a certain way. I pray right now, Father, we want to come and we submit. We bow the knee before you and we say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come in South Africa as it is in heaven. Show us your kingdom, Lord, and help us to reveal your kingdom to the people of South Africa. It's the only hope of this nation is that God's rule be revealed and shown. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you empower every believer to be your witness at this time in their front line, in their context where you have called them and sent them. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And we all agree together and we say, Amen. So I want you to know that as our churches, until the regulations allow us to gather we are not going to be gathering in any form of defiance against the president. Not because, you know, we are scared or anything or scared of the virus, but because we believe in the way that God instituted biblical authority and that we have a role to play. And I'm so thankful for the church that are standing up and being the servants in this nation at this time and displaying God's glory in that way. And may we do more than we've ever done before in revealing God's kingdom. Yes, our voice needs to be heard in the right places, but also in the right way. So we'll be continuing to gather online until regulations allow us to again to have some form of, of on-site gathering and which we trust will be soon. And then we'll build from there again. But know that we love you and that we pray for you. May the Lord bless you.